This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. It's the preview show. It's the No Nay Never podcast. Hello and welcome back to the preview show from the No Nay Never podcast. I'm producer Matt sitting in for Natalie, who is working all hours God sends this week in her lawyering work. But I am joined as ever by the man who this show revolves around. It is, of course, Statman Dave. Dave, good evening and welcome back. Hello, Matt. Good to be back after uh, rather a long uh, break, isn't it? <laughs> it? It was. I'm sure when, when yourself and Natalie were, were sitting down recording the preview for the Manchester City game in the middle of March, you probably weren't expecting it to be this long before you recorded your next preview show. Uh, we weren't, no. I mean, we had our suspicions at the time. I think there was a kind of a... Um, uh, background undercurrent of things happening around the time. We weren't 100% sure, even at that point, whether the match was definitely going ahead. The reason we did record that podcast at the time, the preview on for the Manchester City game originally, was that the Premier League had given the go-ahead, and then it all changed. I think within minutes of us finishing recording, um, we'd heard about uh, things changing, and uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster since then, hasn't it? It has indeed. There's so much uncertainty for so many weeks, and then finally the you know the inklings of a of a restart and then the cautious approach, um, and and we have football back. Although the least said about Monday night, the better. I, I suspect. Uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the best performance on the pitch. There were difficulties with uh, uh, well, even getting a, a a team and a a bench together. You look at the uh, the difficulties we had. We had two goalkeepers on the bench. We only had seven players. Um, I mean, I guess the one plus thing to come out of that was um, uh, young Max Thompson getting a, a run out. Came on as a, a late substitute in the 28th minute, and he uh, so the 88th minute. He is the first Burnley player born in the 21st century. He's born in uh, February uh, 2002, but he's the first 21st century footballer uh, to play a first team game for the club, which was a, a, a notable milestone. And a memorable one for him as well, really, at Manchester City with all those superstars 
but, but hardly anybody watching it. I'm sure he'll remember that one, a story for his grandchildren in the future. Well, and hopefully we'll see a little bit more of him for the rest of the season as well. I mean, we've got uh, issues with Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, who uh, seem to be out for a while. So uh, we don't have huge amounts of uh, attacking options on the bench. So he's going to be... Uh, He's going to be be in there, certainly, you'd think, uh, on the bench and, and looking to make an impact at some point, maybe on Thursday and in the future games this season. Absolutely, and uh, very good luck to him with that as well. And we'll touch on squad things a little bit later on as we, uh, as we give our thoughts on how we think tomorrow night's going to go. But first, we need to go back, back three months, back to that last preview show and back to the quiz question that you posed. Uh, well, yeah, I think we have to make an apology first for keeping everyone waiting so long for the answer to the quiz question, because as you say, we did set that um, in our last preview show. Uh, that was when we recorded it uh, just a couple of days before we thought the Manchester City game was going ahead originally. Um, uh, as we said, things had, had changed. We had a, a positive test from uh, Mikel Arteta. The games were called off. We put the podcast out anyway on the uh, Friday. I know you edited that and put it out on the Friday, but we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we've kept people waiting far too long for this uh, this answer to this question. So just to remind people, really, the question we did ask uh, was who was the last Burnley player to score in a Premier League match at the City of Manchester Stadium? Did you know this one, Matt? Uh, I wouldn't have been able to pull this one off the top of my head. I would have been thinking more about the kind of, you know, Ashley Barnes equaliser there in that 3-3 draw and things like that. So, uh, no, the, the, this player's name wouldn't have jumped to the front. So, go on, put everybody out of the misery who hasn't already uh, figured it out in the three months. Uh, well, the correct answer was uh, Ben Mee. He scored a second-half goal in a 2-1 defeat. That was back in January 2017. Um, Ashley Barnes had scored for us since then in the Cup game. Um, but sadly, we didn't get any Burnley players, as we know, on the score sheet on Monday evening. So the correct answer was uh, Ben Mee. And I must say, we, when we when we do record this, we do uh, uh, discuss it afterwards. Natalie did know the answer to this one straight away. So I was thinking at that point, maybe I've made it a little bit too easy if Natalie knows the correct answer. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll have another another quiz question uh, later on in this show. You got one ready for us, Dave? We certainly have. Yes. Lovely. That's great. So. Let's uh, let's look forward to uh, our next opponent, which is Watford, and they are coming to what will be a very empty turf moor tomorrow tea time, six o'clock. Um, and this uh, this game, like Monday night's game, uh, is uh, on the telly and it's on um, free to air channels on the Pick Channel, Sky One Channel, um, which uh, is I think it's good. I, I personally thought I that every match really should have been made free-to-air in some way, but uh, I'm sure there's uh, people that are more than content with the numbers that are on the free-to-air channels. Yeah, I think as well with that one, Matt, it was, it was a late change for it to go on the free-to-air for Manchester City. It wasn't meant to be originally. So it was good that uh, a wider audience was able to uh, to watch that game. And I think also I've heard some of the other clubs as well, when the games are on BT, they're doing something for the season ticket holders, getting um, passes for season ticket holders to watch it, which is uh, worth looking out for as well. Yeah, that, that was what was leading my thoughts early in this, when, when it was first announced, or even before the, the broadcasting was announced, was that, those season ticket holders who don't necessarily have the uh, the, the pay channels um, it felt a little unfair that they missed out entirely on the match. So uh, if they have access to it, then that's all the good. Opposition stats. 
So, it's been a while since we played Watford, and uh, a lot's changed. Give us a recap since our, our last uh, match with them. Yeah, well, since we last met our, our game early this season, we uh, managed an away win. We won 3-0 down at Vicarage Road. That was um, uh, back in November, uh, and that victory lifted us up to sixth place in the table. Um, our results elsewhere, that defeat for uh, uh, Watford, meant that they were rock bottom of the table at that stage. Um they have since changed managers. They've had uh, Nigel Pearson taking over. Uh, that was just a couple of weeks later at the start of December. Um, and they've had a little bit of a recovery since then. They've made some improvements. And the Hornets are now just out of the bottom three. Um, but with Norwich looking doomed, they've uh, lost again today. Um, uh, and Brighton winning at the, the weekend. Uh, they seem to be in a battle with the likes of Bournemouth, West Ham and Aston Villa. Maybe it's possibly two from those four to avoid the drop yeah it's looking that way now isn't it what's the uh the heaviest Burnley defeat we've suffered uh, well we've actually only lost three times but uh, Watford have um been to Turf Moor for 21 previous matches and they've only ever won three of them uh, but their biggest win is quite a memorable match um in this one nine goals were scored in the first half uh, that included a Gareth Taylor hat-trick for Burnley but we went in at half-time, trailing 5-4, uh, and Watford went on to win the game 7-4, and that included four goals from their striker, Michael Chopra. Blimey. The wrong end of an 11-goal thriller. Yeah, 2003, uh, the, that one. Yeah, back in Stan's days there. Yeah. So let's flip it round then. What's the biggest Burnley win we've had against the Hornets? Uh, well, it's actually been th- jo- well joint top. There's three of them, three home wins by a three-goal margin. Uh, the most recent of those three was a four-one win, uh, and that was back in the championship in December 2005. Uh, Steve Cottrell was manager by then. Uh, John Harley scored twice for us, including a second-half penalty. Marvelous, and thankfully we don't have to look too far back for our last win against Watford. Tell us about that one, Dave. Uh, yeah, our last win uh, at home against Watford was December 2017. Uh, Scott Arfield scored the only goal. That was just before half-time. Um, and this wasn't long after Mo- uh, Watford's Marvin Ziegler. He'd been shown a straight red card for a challenge on Stephen DeFore in the 39th minute. And Scott Arfield scored the goal in the 45th minute. And we hung on against 10 men with a for a, a 1-0 win and uh, three valuable points. Absolutely. Oh, Stephen DeFore, how we could do with him at this time. He's been released, uh, hasn't he? Had you, had you seen? Oh, I hadn't seen that, no. Yeah. A, mm. a very short stay then. At his club. I'm sure there'll be uh, somebody who'll take him on, though, with his talents. Uh, let's look back to last season, though, when they uh, when they came to Turf Moor. Tell us how that game panned out. Uh, well, not brilliantly, actually. That We've mentioned that Watford have had three wins at Turf Moor, and the uh, most recent of those was last season. That was right at the start of the season. Uh, goals from former Claret Andre Gray, um, as well as goals from Troy Deeney and Will Hughes, um, uh, were their three goal scorers. And there was just a solitary reply from James Tarkovsky. He gave the visit- that, that gave the visitors a 3-1 away win and all three points and a, a good start to the season for them and a, a poor one for us. Yes, that was obviously amidst a very tricky start to that season following our exit from Europe, wasn't it? Yes. So looking overall, head-to-head of all the games between Burnley and Watford, give us some stats about that then, Dave. Uh, yeah, well, all the games between the two teams have been played in the last 50 years. We don't have a, a long history going uh, back further than that. Uh, the first meetings took place during the 1971-72 season. Um, our overall home record against Watford 
stands at played 21. We've won 13 of those, drawn five and lost three. That gives us a win percentage of 61.9%. And that's slightly better than our overall home average when we look at the percentage against all of this season's opposition teams. That stands at almost exactly 50%. So 62 against 50 we've got a fairly good record against uh, Watford. And when we look at top flight home matches only, um, all of these are relatively recent in the Premier League era. Uh, We've played three uh, matches against Watford in the Premier League at home. We've won two of them and just the one defeat, which is the game we've just uh, mentioned. That's a win percentage of 66.7%. Good numbers there then. Well, before we come on to celebrity fans, we we deal with uh, the referee and he in himself is something of a celebrity in the football world, Dave. Who have we got in the middle uh, tomorrow night? Yes, it's celebrity Tranmere fan, isn't it? Mike Mike Dean. Um, he returned to football after the lockdown break, sporting a rather distinctive beard. Um, he took charge of the Merseyside derby on Sunday. Um, he's the longest serving referee in England and uh, hard to believe perhaps, but he celebrated his 52nd birthday earlier this month. Um, he's also the last referee to send a Burnley player off. He red-carded Robbie Brady when we played at Huddersfield Town, and he's actually overseen 43 past Burnley matches. Burnley have won 14 of those, we've drawn 16 and lost 13, so not too bad a record when Mike Dean's been in charge, but he he goes back all the way to, well, certainly in terms of Burnley games, back to 1997, 23 years. It's quite quite a career as a referee. Absolutely, he is. He's one of the uh, legends. Love him or hate him, he's a legend of the refereeing world. Celebrity fans! Moving on, as we said, to the celebrity fans. Uh, well, we struggled a little. There's a few obvious ones, but we struggled a little bit on this one. Um, are the names we uh, do want to pick out to mention. Uh, first of all, the obvious one, really, um, Elton John, Sir Elton. Um, he's a former club owner and chairman of the club. Uh, he's currently the club's honorary life president, and he's probably their most famous fan, I would say. Um, beyond that, we've got Olympic gold medalist and world championship heavyweight boxer Anthony Joshua. He was also born uh, in the town. Uh, Radio 1 presenter Chris Stark is a Watford fan, um, as is singer Jerry Halliwell of Spice Girls fame. Um, and beyond that, uh, we're struggling a little bit, but there's other ones that are mentioned are actresses Mila Kunis and Jennifer Aniston. They've been mentioned as newly converted Watford fans, although I think perhaps their association is tenuous at, uh, at best. And I think uh, maybe unlike the previous games this season when we have done this feature, um, I think we can safely say for once none of these celebrities will be at Turf Moor on Thursday, although maybe maybe you know, maybe Elton John might... Uh, might make the trip up, we don't know. But I wonder how many of them will be tuning in to watch from home. Well, yes. Jennifer Aniston might not be able to name the starting eleven, though. I think uh, tenuous is the word for that. Probably not. And we did want to say thanks, by the way, to James from the uh, Watford Way for helping us out, as uh, I think we might have struggled. To, it might, be, might have been a very brief feature this week without that. Um, and it's worth mentioning as well that our very own Richard Steele, um, he recorded a preview piece for... Uh, the Watford Ways YouTube channel. Um, I think we tweeted that out earlier in the week, so uh, watch out for that uh, match preview as well. Statman Dave's Stat of the Week. Now, you've had three months to come up with a uh, a, a stat of the week, uh, so I hope it's a good one. Give us your, um, your miscellaneous stat of the week for this week, Dave. Well, I've, I've done, gone better than that, Matt. I've got two. Oh, marvellous. 
So the, the, the first one's a relatively straightforward one, and we did touch on this for the uh, reverse fixture. Um, since Watford decided to sack Sean Dyche in July 2012, all of these managers have been in charge at Vicarage Road. Deep breath. Uh, Gianfranco Zola, Giuseppe Sanino, Oscar Garcia, Billy McKinley, Slavisa Jokanovic, Kike Sanchez-Flores, Walter Massari, Marco Silva, Yavi Grazia, Kike Sanchez-Flores again, and Nigel Pearson, the current manager. And we did joke when we did the preview show for the reverse fixture that we might be discussing a different Watford manager when we played them again. And that has certainly come true. We, within a couple of weeks of that game, uh, they had indeed changed their manager, but just the once. That's that's maybe progress from uh, from their point of view. Uh, but it's, we did have a second one for this week as well, and this is again on the subject of managers and brief spells in charge. And it's uh, one I've got to give credit to Phil Bird for here. Um, he's mentioned this in his column in the Match Day programme for the Watford game. Um, 111 days have elapsed between our last home game against Spurs and this one, which is one day more than the brief spell that Martin Buchan spent as Burnley manager in 1985. Uh, he was appointed in the June, um, and he only lasted until the October of that season. didn't last very long at all, um, and that was just 110 days. That's one day less as Burnley manager. I think it was the shortest-serving uh, permanent Burnley manager. Uh, 110 days, that's one day less than the length of time between the Spurs game back in 7th of March and this game uh, on Thursday. Oh, marvellous stat. But still probably a long time as a manager compared to some Watford managers. Well, as your uh, extensive list with uh, top marks for pronunciation on some of those names as well. You can put your, you can put your teeth back in there. So after Monday night's very uh, miserable, I suppose, 5-0 defeat at the hands of Manchester City, how positive are you feeling about tomorrow night, Dave? I, I think we should probably expect the same starting eleven, um, maybe a slightly different bench. Uh, but do you do you think we can get a result at an empty turf more? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? I think the um, the home advantage that once would have been there, I think it's been shown certainly um, in the Bundesliga. We perhaps haven't had enough Premier League games to um, to judge it on yet, but I think there is <clears throat> maybe a suggestion that uh, home advantage goes out the window a little bit. It's not the same um, as it would be, obviously, from a, a having a, a full uh, home crowd to uh, to cheer the team on. So difficult from that point of view. Um, I think on the day, it's going, to, it's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be um, relatively equally matched. Uh, Watford are a better side than they were earlier in the season, but they haven't still haven't picked up enough points, but they are in a position where... They they need the wins. They need the wins to get away from that uh, battle, that group at the bottom. Um, so they'll be giving everything. And I think in Nigel Pearson, that he's, he's a manager who um, has got a decent record. He did did reasonably well keeping Leicester in the in the Premier League, and then um, lost his job at the end of the season. Um, but he's he's done reasonably well elsewhere. He's going to have his team up for the game. And I think it's going to be a relatively close one. I think it might, given a prediction, I think it might be a draw. I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. Um, obviously, we've got one extra name we can put onto the uh, onto the bench or even onto the starting eleven for this match, which is uh, Phil Bardsley, who's uh, signed up for another year with us today, which was some good news for this week. Yeah, we've well, we've gained one and other other four have obviously been confirmed in terms of uh, Jeff Hendrick 
uh, Aaron Lennon, which I think we knew about anyway, Joe Hart and Adam Legsins um, leaving. But uh, on the flip side, obviously, there's an extra year's contract for uh, Phil Bardsley. <clears throat> so he'll certainly be involved in the uh, in the match day setup. <clears throat> means that we may well be able to fill the bench on uh, on Thursday. I think Mace Goodridge is mentioned as possibly um, being available to be involved as well on the on Thursday, so I think it'd be a start if we at least have uh, nine substitutes available. Again, we don't have too many um, attacking options uh, on there, so that's going to be perhaps difficult. I think mean, you know the, the other teams are um, do have bigger squads and can you know maybe make three or four substitutions and and uh, make change and, and attack teams. They've got the personnel to do that, whereas we don't have the uh, the depth of squad to be able to do that. We we may have if if we had the likes of. Um, uh, Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood available, but we we don't have them and won't have for uh, for a little while, by the sounds of it. No, no, I I, be, I I don't think we'll we'll necessarily see Ashley Barnes really uh, again this season. Maybe uh, off the bench if, if we see him at all in the last couple of games. Perhaps, hopefully, we'll see the likes of uh, Gunmanson and Wood make a return in the next game or two. We're certainly going to need some fresh legs as these games come thick and fast twice a week. For the next few weeks, um, there were some encouraging signs. I think in the early uh, early stages of the game against City on on Monday night, uh, there was a lot of pressing and and it felt like the ball was 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 kept down on the, on the ground a lot more. You know, we didn't necessarily have target men to kind of hit it up to and and to chase into those channels. But it, I think once City got there first, the writing was on the wall, and I think it's very hard to come back from that. Um, I'm feeling more positive uh, about this match, obviously, um, and I think I think we can maybe edge this. I think, it, like you say, it's probably going to be tight. It, these games haven't been in some well, some of these matches since they come back haven't been quite as intense and uh, and entertaining, um, and I'm not expecting a huge amounts of intensity and entertainment from this one. So I, I'll say that we might edge a, a one nil. A 1 0 win for this one. Fantasy Premier League update. Something else that's been on hold since March is, of course, the Fantasy Premier League. And uh, people reaching for their phones last week as they suddenly realised that they had to scramble and check whether where the team was up to and whose injuries there and who was available and, and get it set up in time for the next game week. So, Dave, have you got an update for us on the No Name Never Fantasy Premier League? Uh, I, I do. Um, I suspect it might become increasingly difficult for us to keep track of it um, with so many midweek games uh, coming, uh, games coming thick and fast, and also our recording schedule being all over the place. But we'll we'll do our best. Um, we're fortunate at the point we're recording this, which is um, on Wednesday evening. Um, I took details uh, this morning after the games. Uh, after the sorry, I took details after the Monday games and got the table up to date at that point. So that was after a full set of matches. So this is kind of a, a clean break in terms of the uh, at the end of game week thirty plus. I think they're calling it because obviously there were two matches last midweek plus a full set of ten games over the weekend. Uh, in terms of the players at the top of our table, um, we've got the top three who were Bennett Howarth whose team seems to have changed name again um, and morphed into Dollarite Deitch now. Uh, he's in the lead with 1,847 points. 
In second place is uh, Natalie's mate, poker mate, Tall Paul. Um, his self-named team, Tall Paul, is on 1,812 points. And in third position at this stage is Michael Freeman's Up the Clarets team. That's uh 1,809 points. Um, in case anyone's still interested, my Burnley Stats team climbed two places, 218th in our table. And I know we don't have Natalie here for this preview, but I'm sure everyone will want to know that her Dingle Bells team is a non-mover. That's down in 161st position, perilously just outside the bottom three. And I'm starting to wonder if she might have left her charge for the title a little bit too late this season. Absolutely, yeah. I just have to uh, do extremely well to kind of get get anywhere, I think, really. And you're doing slightly better, Matt. Your couple all-star yes. teams currently comfortably mid-table in 86 positions. So you're uh, you're well clear of relegation. I think you're uh, you I think you're on the beach already, aren't you? Absolutely. I had a couple of good weeks just before lockdown which kind of just uh, helped out really. So the uh, the Premier League dream team, I, I, I'm not expecting you to mention any Burnley names in here, but let's have some details on how that's looking. Uh, well, no, we didn't have any Burnley players in there, surprisingly. Um, the highest point scorer overall in the game week was Manchester City midfielder Phil Foden. He scored twice on Monday night against Burnley, and that helped him to 22 points for the round of matches. And although the Burnley defence and Nick Pope took a bit of a hammering in the 5-0 defeat, uh, the Burnley goalkeeper is still the Clarets' highest scoring player for the season to date. I think consistency in there, the number of games he's played and also his um, 11 clean sheets have helped. Um, He's on 128 points. Uh, But if, like me, you have him and City's Edison in your squad, uh, you'd have been wise to have chosen a home goalkeeper on this occasion, as, uh, as I did. Absolutely, indeed. Well, we'll be back with another Fantasy Premier League update as and when we get to the next preview show and as and when the game weeks are completed. And we'll keep you updated on the race to win the coveted title of No Nay Never Podcast League Champion. Stackman Dave's Quiz Question. Finally this week, yes, we've got mail. We've come to the end so quickly. After three months, we've rattled through it. We just have the small matter of a quiz question. So, Dave, what have you got for us this week? Okay, this week's quiz question involves goal scorers. And we've already mentioned earlier in this preview show um, Watford's top goal scorer in games against the Clarets, and that's Michael Chopra. He famously scored all four of his goals in just one match. That was the Hornets' 7-4 win at Burnley in 2003. But for this week's question, we want to know if you can name the Burnley player who has scored the most goals in all matches between the two teams. That's all matches, home and away, between Burnley and Watford. Ooh, that's a trick. I certainly can't bring that to mind off the top of my head. I'll have to go away and have a think about that one. If anyone does know the answer, Dave, just remind them once more after I say it's been that long. How can they get in touch with us? How can they send us their answers? Uh, yeah, the best way to uh, to get in contact is to um, tweet us on Twitter or send us a direct message. That's at no never on Twitter. Uh, you can email us. That's podcast at never.net. And you can also reply to this post. We'll be putting up a post on uh, Facebook for the preview show on the No Nay Never Facebook page. And we will uh, reveal the correct answer at the start of our next preview show, which will be for the Crystal Palace match on uh, next Monday. Absolutely. So, And that uh, that show will be out uh, 
by the end of the weekend, I should imagine, or first thing Monday morning. All that remains for me to do is to thank Dave for joining me this evening. We don't have any travelling fans to thank, uh, to wish a safe journey to this time round. So we wish a safe journey to any journalists and any staff who are making their way to Turf Moor tomorrow evening. And uh, we say thank you to everybody who's worked hard behind the scenes at Turf Moor in order to... Uh, make this match happen as at all stadiums it must be very difficult and a very strange situation to be in at the minute final thanks of course to you the listeners for downloading and listening to our preview show um we hope you've enjoyed it always welcome feedback on the uh, channels that dave has just mentioned there for the quiz answer um and hopefully natalie will be back with dave uh, in time to preview crystal palace I've been producer Matt. This has been the preview show from the No Name of a Podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.